Hello and welcome. My name is Juanita Headley. I am a Newark attorney and the founder and CEO of Changing Cases. You are listening to a set of podcasts, a series dealing with the issues of human trafficking, child abuse, and of course... Can you keep a secret? Keep a secret. Knowing how to respond to the question... Over the following weeks and months, I'm going to take a look at some hard-hitting topics with a view to educate, empower, and inspire you to change the way that you think, act, and respond to better safeguard the children in your world. Stay tuned until the end of this show, where I'll be sharing not only how you can get a copy of my new book, but I'll also inform you of some upcoming live Zoom trainings and how you can contact me to have your questions featured in a future episode of this show. So we can talk about it. Yeah, we can talk about it. Yeah. So we can talk about it. Talk about it. Yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah. Let's talk about American missionary Gregory Hayes Dow of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. This is an article that I stumbled across about two days ago, and it shares about how he left the U.S. and travels to Kenya with his wife to open an orphanage. According to the article, Gregory Hayes had the Dow family children's home in Boito, Kenya between October 2013 and September 2017. According to the article, Dow had been convicted in 1996 for assault with intent to commit sexual abuse on a child in Iowa in the United States. He then travels to the Republic of Kenya in 2008 to start the orphanage with his wife, Mary Rose Dow. However, according to this article, Gregory Hayes goes to Kenya not with the intention of providing support to these girls and women, not with the intention of enabling these orphans to have a hope and a future. As it says in Jeremiah 29, God has plans to give us a hope and a future. Although he's a missionary, he doesn't intend to follow in the steps of the Lord, but instead to do what the adversary would, and that is to steal, kill and destroy because in fact his intent was to take advantage sexually of the girls that were staying in the home. It says here that for a number of years he sexually abused at least four teenage girls who were in the home. It says that he is sentenced to nearly 16 years in federal prison for abusing these girls in the home that he ran with his wife. It says here that on Thursday, he was sentenced to 188 months behind bars, according to NTV Kenya. After his release, he will be prohibited from interacting with children under the age of 18, and he will remain under lifetime supervision. The article also goes on to say that the investigators were able to determine that his wife transported the victims to a medical clinic 
to have birth control devices implanted into their arms so that Dao could perpetrate his crimes without fear of impregnating his victims. At his sentencing, the U.S. District Judge Edward Smith said, his crimes were as evil, as depraved as any case that has ever come before him. He goes on, you went to Africa as a missionary. It seems you were a missionary from hell. The judge is said before ordering 61-year-old Hayes to pay $16,000 in restitution to cover the victim's mental health treatment. Instead of being a beacon of hope for the children, Dow was evil disguised as hope. And the idea that it was done in the name of religion is unfathomable, unfathomable, according to Smith. In June, Dow acknowledged having assaulted the girls multiple times and pleaded guilty to four counts of engaging in illicit sexual conduct in a foreign place. Two of the girls were as young as 11 years old when the abuse began. His sentencing comes three years after Dow fled Kenya and returned to Pennsylvania when his acts became public. It's interesting because when I think of the story of Joseph, Joseph was accused of rape and he fled with no clothes on, but he fled from sin. This is Dow fleeing from his sins. In other words, sins he has committed in the story of Joseph, Joseph is fleeing from engaging in sin. Here, Dow is fleeing from having engaged in sin. Very, very different in both stories. The defendant purported to be a Christian missionary who cared for these children and asked them to call him dad. But instead of being a father figure, he preyed on their youth and vulnerability. Gregory Dowd hid behind his supposed faith on the other side of the world, hoping that nobody in the U.S. would know or care about the children or the abuse. This article speaks nothing about his wife. We have no idea if his wife was even arrested, charged or convicted. When I read this article, truth be told, I was outraged. <laughs> I think outraged is really downplaying how I felt because for me, I have heard time and time again of individuals abusing their power, abusing their positions of trust to take advantage of another individual, a vulnerable individual. And so because I have been doing this work for almost a decade now, I've become desensitized to these types of cases. When you hear it time and time again, for you to be able to sleep well at night, you've got to have a defense mechanism. Self-care is, of course, important and it has its place. But you've got to be able to separate from hearing these cases and allowing them to affect you to the point that you will suffer with maybe mental health. For me, what truly troubled me about this is the intention. When we think about criminal law, we think about actus reus and mens reus. Actus reus, guilty act, mens reus, guilty mind. The two things are essential when it comes to the commission of a crime. If a person doesn't have the mind, it would not be murder, it would be manslaughter, for example. 
And that is how we get different sentences. Now, I strongly believe and firmly believe in second chances. I believe in allowing people the opportunity to, number one, make right with people and make right with God. Sometimes for the safety of us, of people, that should be done in the confines of prison. But realistically speaking, a lot of people who do get imprisoned at some point or other often get released. And even if it's a 30-year sentence, they come out after 10, maybe 15, maybe 20, if there is good behavior. What bothers me about this is the fact that we have the wife, Mary, we have Gregory in the U.S., leaving the U.S., leaving their home comforts, leaving their culture, after Gregory has already committed a sexual offense, they decide to take up root in Kenya and to build an orphanage. Now, when you think about an orphanage, even if they didn't build it from the ground up, that requires resources, finances, staff, a team. A lot is necessary for an orphanage to come into existence. Even if you're taking over a facility, a lot is required. Think about it. Paperwork, certification. Clearly, a background check wasn't even relevant or necessary. But what infuriated me the most is the fact that Mary, Gregory's wife, takes these four girls to a medical clinic for the purpose of providing them with the implant that goes into the arm that will prevent them, prohibit them from becoming pregnant, therefore giving Gregory full access for three years to engage in rape and sexual activity with these girls without ever having any evidence of that in the sense of one of the girls becoming pregnant. The girls are underage, they're in an orphanage, they are sheltered, or at least they should be, sheltered not just from the storm, not just from the elements, but sheltered from boys, sheltered from abuse, or so we would expect. But instead of these girls being protected, they become victimized by the same people who are there to instill hope, who are there to lead them and train them in the way they should go. That's what the Bible says. Train your children in the way they should go. And when they get older, they will not depart. This is not what happened here. They have not been tra trained. Their lives have not been destroyed because God is greater than Gregory or Mary. But an attempt has been made to destroy their lives. An attempt has been made to take them out. And the fact is if they do not get sufficient help, it may have a destructive impact on them. On the other hand, if they do get the help, whether that is spiritual through healing from Christ or through practical and world-known world help, therapy and counseling, then their lives will indeed be fully transformed and the healing will be made available. Healing doesn't come overnight and there are many survivors who are not completely healed. But that indeed, if it's available to them, then they have a, a really fantastic chance, a promising chance ahead of them. And when I shared this article with people, they were disturbed. They said it was demonic. It was satanic. These people are coming in the name of Christ. I don't know what God they serve because I know there are many gods with a small g. Even the Bible makes reference to people who are serving gods and idols. But a small g is used because we know there's only one true living God. And Mary and Gregory do not 
know God the Father. The one thing that really bothers me about this case is the fact that Mary and her husband had this intention, leaving the United States, coming to Kenya, with the with the intentional, deliberate purpose of abusing children. Do we know if Mary also was involved in abusing them? We don't have answers to the question. Did Mary marry Gregory, knowing that he had this tendency? There's nothing wrong with being loyal. Absolutely, being loyal is a beautiful thing. When one is married, we should be loyal until death do us part. But not when your spouse is sinning against God and sinning against another brother or sister and leading them astray. The question we have to ask ourselves is not why, but truly, which God do they serve? Because when you know God the Father. You will only know him through God the Son, and when you know the Son, you know the Father. Therefore, if someone considers himself to be a child of God, then it makes complete sense that you would be able to determine a person is a follower of Christ and serves the one true living God, because by knowing the Father and knowing God directly, the Son, you can identify his children. And the word of God actually says, "By their fruit you will know them." What is the fruit of Mary, and what is the fruit of Gregory? For me, what angers me the most about this is the intention. What I mean is, and I say this with caution, Mary did not take these girls to the clinic every twelve weeks for the depot, or every thirty days. For the pill, or however many weeks for the other various methods, nine weeks for a different injection. She didn't do that. She made a commitment. It's almost like a contract, you know, sign on the dotted line. For me, that speaks of an intention of longevity. What I mean is, if you just want your husband to have access to these girls for a month or two months. They wouldn't need an implant lasting three years, and at the same time, not that I'm agreeing with that at all. I have a feeling that if she was to go to the clinic every twelve weeks, every thirty days, every nine weeks, that it is highly possible that her conscience may speak to her, and she may reconsider what she's doing. Let's not forget the inconvenience of having to go to the clinic every. Twelve weeks, every thirty days, every nine weeks—the cost, the expense, the questions that might be asked. But let's even go one step further and say, what type of clinic was this that they're allowing her to have the implant inserted into four minor girls who I'm going to presume are under the age of consent because the first girl who was abused was eleven, and this went on for four years. This went on for four years, and so therefore, when you consider that, you have to ask yourself the question: Were they under the age of sexual consent? Because in the Philippines, the age of sexual consent is twelve, the youngest in the world. So therefore, if she's eleven, being taken to the clinic, it's highly likely that she was under the age of consent. If the Philippines is the youngest, which is twelve. 
This makes me think about the fact that human traffickers are very good at what they do, and it's not because they maybe have p- police officers in their pocket. We know that there are corrupt police officers, absolutely, but we need to appreciate not every police officer is corrupt. Not every police officer is involved in a human trafficking ring or a paedophile ring. There are police officers who do their duty. In fact, there were two FBI agents who recently lost their lives because they were trying to apprehend a paedophile and they were both shot as a result and they died. And that is the thing. That is the challenge that we have. We have amazing people who are doing great work, who innocently lose their lives. And a few bad cops, a few bad apples give many a cop a bad reputation. So we need to move aside from corrupt cops because it is not just police officers. We've also got to think about the fact that border control may be involved when it comes to human trafficking. Immigration may likewise be involved because think about it. When you have immigration, the immigration officers can renew the visa of the individual because by renewing that visa, that victim will never have overstayed and will never come under the inspection of ICE, for example, in the United States. Think about it. If you want to continue to go undetected, you need to have the right people in the right places and positions of power to enable you to be successful at what you're doing. But what we often don't even think about or consider, nurses, doctors, clinics, Because when a person is being sexually exploited by multiple men or customers, this would be, for example, prostitution leading to STDs, HIV, AIDS, unwanted pregnancy, abortions become the next thing to consider. When the child is a minor, the child is not a prostitute. There's no such thing as a child prostitute. The child is prostituted. It is done to him or her. And a lot of the time when we talk about this topic, we are excluding medical physicians and those who are in a position to be able to keep this under wraps. We don't want to have lots of unwanted pregnancies leading to lots of unwanted children, babies. That's not what we want. We want to be able to do this effectively. And clearly Gregory was not infertile and therefore as a consequence of him being fertile, Mary decided that she would take them to the clinic. Questions were not being asked. The fact that these girls were given the implant is concerning. What was the reason why she said that these young girls needed the implant? They're in an orphanage. They don't have parents. I mean, if it was me and I was working in that clinic, I wouldn't necessarily suspect Gregory, but I might be thinking, are these girls being prostituted? Because in fact, I know of a case in India of an orphanage. And according to the word on the street, the founder allows the girls to be used by her husband for sexual services. And in addition, she also allows the girls to be used in prostitution outside of the orphanage. And I heard that from a very good source. And in fact, they are being investigated because of it. 
And many of the volunteers from overseas have come and they have seen and witnessed things that are not appropriate. I wonder about those who worked in the orphanage. Were they locals or were they foreigners? And the thing is, I believe that even those of us who don't know God, let's say we're living in a, in a remote village, we are from the indigenous community. We all have a conscience, I'm convinced, and we know right from wrong. Our gut instinct communicates to us. And we know this is okay and this is not okay. Because think about it. Gregory has already committed an infraction against a child in Pennsylvania. He leaves to have full access to girls in Kenya under the guise of building their dad, being their dad and building an orphanage. But when he realizes that he is being detected and that things are coming close to home, what does he do? He runs back to safety because he thinks the U.S. is going to protect him. But unfortunately for him, that is not the case. Restitution, is that enough? Obviously, it serves its purpose, but it is not enough. It is insufficient to bring back what was stolen from these girls. Unless we have been victimized time and time again by our dad, the founder of an orphanage, the stepfather, the biological father, the sugar daddy, the partner of your mother, it is very hard to understand what it is like to go through this. Can you even consider the trust issues that these girls would have? Can you even consider the next person who comes into their life as a father figure? And maybe these girls had Stockholm Syndrome, trauma bonding, because many a time, no matter how horrendous the abuse may be, victims may actually love their perpetrator. And I do not mean romantic love, I mean love them as a dad. They may separate, separate the abuse, compartmentalize the abuse. I know because I likewise did that. I don't know if I'd go so far as to self-diagnose and say that I had Stockholm Syndrome or trauma bonding, but it is highly possible because my stepfather, I still use the term stepfather, even though he is deceased and no longer married to my mother, he was my best friend. And it is as though I compartmentalized and separated the two. However, in my situation, in my instance, he abused me in my sleep and there were no words. Some people ask me if I have a hatred towards men. No, I don't. And the reason is because I was groomed. He was nice to me in the daytime, which is very confusing for a child. You're being abused, but the person is nice to you. It makes me think of domestic violence. He will abuse you, beat you up, call you names, financially abuse you, etc. But then he might take you out for a meal or, or buy you nice things or, or give you flowers. And so it's very confusing. And the brain is a very powerful thing, but it can be very easily manipulated. And I think that's one of the reasons why the Bible says be led by the spirit. We should not be led by feelings. When people talk about love and say love is a feeling, well, love changes depending on what you're thinking because situation may happen and how you process and think about the situation will determine whether you feel love or not. Think about relationships where a person says, I'm no longer in love with you because of, and they give reasons and the reasons are not even valid because they have made a decision on the basis of their feelings. They wake up today and they do not feel love anymore. But love is not an emotion. We say God is love, but do we really know what that is? This guy did not love God in my opinion, because if you do love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not going to hurt his children. You are not going to violate innocent children 
whose parents have been stolen from them, who may be impoverished, who may have vulnerabilities, who may have been subjected to abuse before. No person deserves to ever be abused or exploited. Absolutely not. 100% no. But it's even worse, if I can say worse, because there's no scale. It's a lot worse when that person has only you. You have come into their life to save them, to rescue them. You're not a savior. There's only one savior, but you've come to rescue them from a difficult situation, from a challenging situation, or from a season of poverty, a season of lacking. And you have taken on that responsibility to bring them into something better, to bring them hope, to bring them a future, to bring them new life, to bring them stability, to bring them love. But instead of doing those things, you violate them. That is not okay under any circumstances, but I take comfort. Justice will be served in the eyes of the Lord. Maybe justice will not be served on this earth where Mary is concerned. The article speaks nothing about her. I don't know the ins and outs of the case, but I can definitely say that I find her deeply culpable. I see it as aiding and abetting a crime. I can't explain why she did what she did. I don't understand it. But it hurts, it angers me, it frustrates me. It's, with, in my mind, full malice and full intention. It's so premeditated on many levels. Think about it, 30 days, 9 weeks, 12 weeks. Yes, premeditation is involved. But every time you've got to go back to the clinic, there's a possibility you may have a, have a strike in your conscience and you may reconsider your actions. But 3 years... You are in this for the long haul. You are saying to your husband, this is the way Walkie in it. Go ahead. I am condoning. I am consenting to you engaging in this practice. I'm not going to defend her, but it is possible she may have been a victim of domestic violence. It is possible that she did not have a choice in what she did. I'm not defending her. I'm not an ally. I'm not on her team. Or she could just be a sick, depraved individual. I don't have the answers. I don't know. I still don't believe in the death penalty. I still believe in second chances, but I believe in just punishment. And all I'm referring to is prison, not torture or any of those things. I don't believe in an eye for an eye, but I believe in justice in prison. I would never trust her. But you know what I think? The God that I serve, he's so in control that his vengeance is better than a prison sentence. This, this lady, Mary... She may lose friends, status, family. She may lose everything. We know Job lost it. It says it in Job 121. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So it's highly possible that the Lord will take away everything she loves, which includes her husband, which includes her husband having access to abused children. I don't know. I don't have the answers, but I know that I can trust the God that I serve. He is in control and he will ensure that she will reap the rewards of all of the actions she has done, the inactions, the actions, likewise her husband. Thank you for listening to another episode of Can You Keep a Secret? I trust that the information has been useful to you. I believe that we all need knowledge and education. And when we have a better understanding of topics such as abuse, it enables us to better safeguard the children in our world. For a better understanding of the topics being covered each week, then please reach out to me for a copy of my new book, can you keep a secret? 
you can follow me, message or email me so that I can answer your questions in upcoming episodes. We can all learn from one another. And this is an educational series that I hope will impact and change not just your life, but also that of the people around you. You can find all my contact details on my website, changingcases.org. That's changingcases.org. Remember to share this podcast with friends and family members. There are victims and survivors in your world. You just don't know it. But if we can all be educated, then the world will be a safer place. Please tune in next week for another episode. Stronger, so we can talk about it. Yeah, we can talk about it. Yeah, so we can talk about it. Talk about it. Yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah.